singing that song and <laughs> that was the first thing that would come to mind was how I've heard over my time in church. I, I grew up under looking to the cross and clinging to the cross and Calvary and that's what I was that's what was bred within me um, through our church and through our pastors. And, and then as I began to, to grow and mature in Christ, I would, I would begin to hear different things from different people. And they would start saying, well, you shouldn't be looking to the cross because he's not there. And you shouldn't this because he's not. But if we would understand the heart of the people, I was just sitting here a minute ago and I'm going... God, why is it so hard for us as a people to just be able to love and enjoy you without all the other garbage, without somebody telling me I've got to lift my hands, without somebody telling me that I need to give, without somebody telling me that I can't miss church? And I mean, why can't we just enjoy your love that you've given to us in a way that you've created us to enjoy it? Not, not because of someone else's condemnation on how I dress and what I smell like and what I look like. and Why can't I just love God my way and him love me his way? Why, why do I have to open a door of possibility for you to come in and tell me that the love that I'm expressing to God is wrong? You don't know me. You're not with me. The only one that knows me is the one that created me. My wife don't even know me. She may think she does. She don't even know me. My God knows me from head to toe, front to back, beginning to end. He knows me. He knows where I'm going. He knows the decisions I'm going to make. Why bother with other people's ideologies on how I should return the love back to God the way that he give it to me? Have you ever been bound up or tied and not really knowing? You go to church, you put your hands in your pockets, you kind of stand like this, you don't even sing, you may not even say amen. Sometimes you might shout, sometimes you might run, but there's other times that we go like this and we're tight. We're tight the whole service because we're worried about what somebody else is going to say or do, and we let people influence us. What a sad, sad day that's going to be when we stand before our creator, before our maker, God of this world. When we stand before him and we say, God, I'm sorry I didn't raise my hands because, God, I'm sorry that I didn't say thank you because, I'm sorry I couldn't reveal to you the love that I was feeling inside because, when can we become free? Again, forget church. I said that publicly on live. Forget church. We want to experience an unadulterated love and existence of God's presence in our life. We're going to have to find a way that we reject the religiosity and the ideologies and the philosophy of other people. You will only grow in God as much as you allow him to grow in you. And if you continuously sit back and let other people dictate how you should be in church, you'll never grow in him because he has been restricted for generations. 
I don't know why I went there on you first thing. I mean, I was coming out the gate hot. We're supposed to be talking about the love of God. I just want you to understand. No one inside of this building or any other building will ever be able to produce to you a ticket to heaven. Our jobs as pastors is to provoke you within so that you begin to sit back and go, well, wait a minute. You mean God loves me? God wants me to have that? God wants me to do this? Yeah, he wants you. He chose you. But because you're worried about what everybody else thinks, I don't care what you think. I don't care what they think. At the end of the day, I've got to stand before him, right and wrong. I have to, and yes, I'm going wrong too. And so are you, you self-righteous people. That wasn't meant for y'all because I know that y'all aren't like I was talking to. It was, it was spoken to whomever needed to hear it. You better get away from yourself. Because the only thing that you can do for you is take you to hell. That's all you can do. See, I would, man, I love just thinking about it. I'm going, God, it's so hard nowadays. It's so hard nowadays just to be saved. And I'm talking about the general public. It's hard for the general public to be saved. Why? Because you want them to do. And God's saying, just be. Well, what does that mean, Pat? Just be. Be you with him. Just be. And if you have this weird little feeling inside, Debbie calls it her knower. It goes like that in her. I don't know what it does with you, but in her it goes like that. That's the way she used to teach the kids. Kids be walking through church going like this. They're going, what's wrong with them kids? It must have been with Debbie. But when we start getting something inside of us that says, hey, I want you to change this. Not, not that it makes you holier. I just want you to change it so I can increase in you. Because that thing that you carry is taking up space. Or better yet, it's taking up my space. Yes. Have you ever thought about that? Some of the things that we carry inside is taking up God's space. Y'all don't have any of that, right? Do we need to go back to Wednesday? Can I recap Wednesday? You, we carry this, this selfishness inside. We carry envy inside and hatred towards others. Yes, you do. Come on. Watch this. Watch. Ready? One, two, three. Biden. What? What are y'all doing? What's wrong? Where are you going? See, you got one just running out. We have this thing in us that we better get rid of. 
I didn't say you have to love everything that he does as a president. See, I can speak freely on this. I'm not, I'm not promoting any president, and it doesn't matter if I do or not. They can't tell me I can't. Separation Church State says, no, you can't tell me how I live. You don't have, you don't have the right to tell me that I've got to be Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or Mormon. You can't tell me any of that. That's what that means. So I'll be who I am, <laughs> handcuffs and all. <laughs> but have you ever really thought about what it is that you carry inside that it's taking up God's room? How many of you would like to really have, and don't, don't be religious, would really love to have more of God in you? What are you willing to get rid of? See, we, we want God in our own special way. We, we've taken the authority and the omnipotence of God and we've reduced it to a point to where we, to where, to where God becomes manageable. Are you with me? Are you, we're talking about God's love. I'll get there in a minute. But somebody needs to hear this right now. We've reduced God to a manageable level. To a point to where we can say, well, I just don't feel like going, so I'm just going to stay home. Just because you don't feel like going. I'm not going to talk to that person because, but God understands. God knows my heart. Boy, I, that's a scary, scary statement that people use flippantly. You can't judge me. God knows my heart. You're better off. I judge you. You're much better off that I judge you. Because I'm just going to judge you off of what I know. And that's very little, right, Joe? I can say you're a good person. All I ever see you do is give and love and speak highly of people. And at home, boy, you went back crazy. On the kids, husbands, wives, just went nuts. But if I judge you, man, you, you an angel. But if he judges you, he says, you're filthy rags. See the difference? So don't go around just throwing that. You don't know me. God, no, stop that. You better hush. Realize what you're saying. I'd much rather you judge me. Because you can't judge me based on nothing you ain't seen. He can. Y'all good? Hey, let's get into the love of God, can we? I'll make you feel real good about yourself, and now I'm going to tell you just how much God loves you. If you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16. This is a passage of Scripture that we don't even have to look up. You memorized it when you were two, three years old. Do you know that even children can memorize this verse, but philosophers can never get to the bottom of its depths? 
Psychologists will never understand it. Theologians can't write it out plain enough. But children can recite it. Because we teach them and we teach them. And this is the gospel. You know, God didn't have to take the time. It probably doesn't even matter that he did take the time in some cases. He could have just given us John 3.16. He could have been done with it. But he said, no, I want you to understand it. So I'm going to explain it to you. And we don't ever get into the, never mind. We're talking about the love of God, not what we don't do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think it's important for us to understand let's say it this way God's love is multi-dimensional multi-faceted and when I when I say multi-dimensional that means he loves you before during and after your sins. God loves you before you thought about it, while you're thinking about it, and after you thought about it. God loves you there. God loves you here. Before and after. He loves you on the ups and he loves you on the downs. Amen. He loved you when you were. He loved you when you weren't. He loved you when you got something on your back and he loves you when you bare back. He's, he loves he loves me? His, his love is so multidimensional. That is why I've always said this too and that is why every time that God just takes a turn in heaven, just a little flinch, that's why the angels have been singing holy, holy, holy. Because they're seeing a new dimension of God every time. And he's been doing this for eternity. So how big is our God? How much love can a God that size give to his people? And how else could he express that love for us other than giving himself as a sacrifice so we didn't have to stand punishment? Did you know that God loved you before he created you? Before your mother knew your name, he loved you. Well, Pastor, how can you? Because he sent Christ to die for you. Nobody in here is over 2,000 years old, so I know that he loved you before your mother thought of you, right? Some of us might feel like we're 2,000 years old sometimes when we get out of bed early in the morning, right? After working 16 hours a day, seven days in a row, and you go, oh, I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck, <laughs> right? 
But if we look into the word even deeper, it said that Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth. How is that even possible? Because God's eternity. See, when he talked about for God so loved, when he talks about that, that word love, it's in the presence tense. It shows that, but it's, it shows that it's past tense. But this word is actually spoken in the present tense. There, there was a, here, let me clarify this with you because I'm not smart enough to know this unless I read it. The aorist tense, the active voice, and the indicative mood. See, I can read just like you can read. Now, does that mean I can explain it to you? No. But this is what I can explain to you. This is, what it, this is actually what it means. There was never a time that God didn't love me. That's what the, Can you fathom that? Because I can... I can think of times my wife didn't love me. How about you, Charlie? You ever think there was a time? I know David has. Any, anybody else? Have, have you ever, have you ever, I know, man, if we really look into it, we can all think of a time that our spouse did not love us. Well, come on. Am I, Mike? Uh-huh. See, it's mostly men. Are y'all catching that side? It's mostly the men that know the day when their wife didn't love. Why is that? Y'all need to straighten up. But there was never a time that God did not love me. See, you've got to make this, you've got to make this more personal than what you're making it you're you're reading it as a scripture for god so loved the world no how about putting your name in there because the world doesn't mean this universe god could care less about the universe he just spoke that into existence he reached down out of heaven and formed you so his love for you is much greater than you and would ever expect or understand but he so loved you see the word for means that he, he there was there's there's something that is connected with this there, there there's a purpose there's a purpose for his love for you y'all know what that purpose was right because you're filthy rags you're a sinner you you would not be able to make it lest he loved you it was only by his love that we have the ability to even say, Father, man, he loved you when you was right. He loved you when you was wrong. He loved you in the wrong. Ooh, see, that's hard for the religious people. Let, let me help. Let me open up and, and broaden your, your, your thoughts here. The man that molested six-month-old baby and give her AIDS. He loved him. Loves. Has loved. Is loving. 
and will always love. Oh, I'm cutting it home now, ain't I? The, the, the man that molested his 13-year-old daughter. Oh, he loved him. He loves him. And he will always love. He loves the drunk. He loves the prostitute. He loves the sinner. Yes, he does. Because he said, while we were yet sinners, Romans says, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because he hated us. He died for us because he loved us. And he said, I want you to have a way. And there's only one way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father except by me. So the only way you're ever going to get to the Father is that I would lay down my life. No man takes my life. I lay it down. That's love. And he loves me? Well, yeah. But I can't, it doesn't matter. See, that's the whole problem with religion. You think that you have to earn his love. And you do absolutely. Nobody in here was able to do anything to earn his love. We put all our money together. We can't buy it. We put all our time into it. We can't build it. We can't make it. We could talk about it all day and we'll never understand it. God loves you. See, I, don't, I can't understand that either. I don't get it. How can God love me even before I was ever made? How could he ever love me? And plus, knowing that I'm going to sin, knowing that I'm going to do the wrong thing, like 90% of my life, but he loved me. He still said, Rocky, I'm going to die for you so that you've got a chance. Because without me, you'll never make it. I don't want you to get your mind so, so bent and set on going to heaven because you're not going to be there long. I love it when the religious people go. <laughs> Y'all ever seen that roll that beautiful bean footage? What's that dog name? The bushes baked beans. He's got a name. Yeah, he does. Who? Duke. Duke. Yeah, it's kind of like Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Old Snoopy. He does it. See, we're, we're getting so worked up to get to a place that we won't be for long. See, it now, boy, I wish I had. I don't have all day today for y'all. See, ah, boy, when, you got to come on Wednesday nights. That's all I can tell you. Because if you don't, you're going to get confused pretty quick. Because heaven isn't just a place, it's the realm. When we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, it's a realm. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a place in the presence. It's not a place as you perceive heaven to be. Yeah, there's pearly gates, the Bible says, and there's streets of gold that it says, I think there's something much deeper. 
but we all go to heaven. Do you know the people that you're calling a sinner and that you, you smug down and you look down your nose at, the ones that you think don't live a holy life the way you live it and they should live it better, you know they're even going to go to heaven? Uh-oh. Well, why am I doing what I'm doing? Hang on a minute. We're all going to go to heaven because the judgment seat is in heaven. So even the sinner is going to go to heaven. I've expressed it like this once or twice before in other sermons and teachings that it would be like if you went to court. If you go to court and you're just observing, you walk in, man, you start looking at the mahogany wood. How awesome that leather chair is that the, your honor sets in. You look at the gavel. And you, you take in the detail on the gavel. You look at all the magnificence of the courtroom. And just how grand it is and how beautiful. But when you go in as the accused... <laughs> You, you have this tendency, you miss all of the beauty. <laughs> and all you see is judgment coming down. See, that's going to be the difference between the saint and the sinner. I believe the sinner will miss it. Can I back it up in Scripture? I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm just... It's just a thought. I told y'all I got thoughts. And I think a lot. So I don't have any hair. But when we're sitting and looking at this, can you imagine living on earth knowing that you're loved by God and one day you get to meet him? It's almost like the excitement that you used to have well up inside when you were newlyweds. Because your husband and your wife told you at the altar the day before that they loved you. I'm not talking two or three weeks down the road. It, that feeling went away. <laughs> two or three weeks down the road, unfortunately. Because we get caught up in the mundane lifestyle of marriage. But that would be the excitement that I think that was going to generate in us. The day that we go to see God. The one that said he loves me. Have you ever went home excited to see? Well. Well. Have you... Well, I can't even give you that expression. Has anybody ever went home excited to see their spouse? Boy, y'all need marriage counseling in a bad, <laughs> bad way. Tickets will be sold at the door on your way out. But this is the God that I'm talking about, the one that loves you so much. Man, I think he's more excited about spending time with us than we are about spending time with him. But that's the difference between his love for us and our love for him. Our love for him, it's only expressed in the times that we want to. It's only in the times that we think he's... See, we'll act different around our spouses when they've done something new. Something different. 
something that benefited us. Don't. Did you? You started it. I don't want to hear it. Valentine's Day. Oh, how we love our spouse on Valentine. We love them so much we post pictures on internet. All of our hearts and our chocolates. And oh, how much I love what you do for us. And oh, thank you for being here. And I love you so much. I love you so much. You go and you buy expensive jewelry. You go have expensive dinners. Big cards, not little, big, big, big cards. We send flowers to their work so they can die. And they die probably as rapid as your love for them does. Within the same week. Oh, look, I'm talking straight to you. I'm telling you the truth. Because, see, you love your husband and your wife based upon what they've done for you lately. Not what they're going to do wrong to you tomorrow. Charlie, I know everybody wants to have just a, it don't happen. See, you have to work on a marriage. And regardless of what they do and they didn't do, you still are to love them. Well, how do you do that? Not just on Valentine's Day. Not just on their birth. It's 365 days a year. It's 24 hours a day. Seven days. You have to tolerate it. <laughs> I'm praying for you. Yet you have to. You've got to deal with it. Because, but see, if we look at it like that, man, that's a strenuous work. But if we look at it the way Christ looked at us when he said, I loved you. When God said, I, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son to you. When he said that, he said that based on the foreknowledge that you were going to mess up. He'd done that based on the foreknowledge knowing that you was going to commit adultery on him. See, y'all don't look at it like, I'm just trying to, I want you to understand the filth of your sin and without the love of Christ where you would stand. Because anything that you put before God, it's not that that has just become a God to you. You have married God. You've come into an intimate relationship. You have, you have walked into a covenant with God. And now something takes its place. Oh, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. It can be a football game, a baseball game, a basketball game, a hockey game, a fishing day, a hunting day. Did I get them all? What did I leave out? A shopping day. What else did I got? A nail day, a hair day, a dog day, a baby day. Come on, are y'all with me? I'm just trying to tell you that everything that you put before God himself, I'm telling you. That you've committed adultery on God. And that's not something that your spouse would tolerate. And you expect God and God alone to understand and accept. To tolerate. Spitting in the face of grace. 
Man, we tell people in marriage classes that when, when, when we're talking about, about husbands loving your spouses, loving your wives, and wives obeying your submitting. That's a hard word. Every, every time I go to say it, it's even hard for me. Submitting to your husbands. Y'all don't like, boy, y'all flaring up. Look, she got neck pains. Boy, she got tense in the neck, Mike. She said, whoop, oh, Lord Jesus. I don't know about all that. I mean, I, <laughs> see, when we talk about that, we, we look at it and go, huh? but we tell people all the time, wives, answer me this question. If a husband would love you unconditionally and love you as Christ loved the church, you got to understand how Christ loved the church. If a husband would love his wife the way Christ loved the church, women, and I want you to be honest with me, how many of you would say, I'm not going to submit to him? Boy, you would be out in front of that man and saying, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want? <laughs> there's, not a woman, there's not a woman in her right mind that would ever say, that I'm not going to give myself totally to my husband if my husband is loving me. Not his type of love. The way Christ loved the church. Do you understand the commitment of love? Let, can I take you to the garden? Let, let's, go, let's go to the yeah, Everybody likes gardens. I just don't like working in them. I like the fruits of them, but I don't like going to them. Let's talk about the fruit in the garden. The commitment of Christ and his love for you. Kneeling by himself because the other three knuckleheads, they couldn't stay awake and pray with him. Remember when he left the three knuckleheads and he said, hey, stand watch for me. Yeah, we got you. That's the, look, that's the way the church does now. Yeah, we got you, God. I wonder if those three represented the church. Because we're instructed to stand and watch till he comes. And we all have fallen asleep. Oh, I'm not saying that we got to be running out in the street speaking in tongues, slapping people in the forehead, and dropping them in the love of God. I'm not telling you that. But I'm wondering how many of us have dropped our guard. Do I need to be more? I'll be more specific. You've dropped the guard to your mouth. You've dropped the guard to your heart. You've dropped the guard to your mind. See, you think what you want to think and you don't think nothing more about it. And what you don't understand is the enemy planting a seed within your mind. And do you not know that the Bible says, as long as this earth shall endure, there will be seed time and harvest. That means if a seed is planted, all it's going to take is some time. We don't. That's why I won't tell you if you give your heart to Christ today. 
goes away and it's all good. I'm going to tell you, if you give your heart to Christ today, watch out. Because the waters are going to start moving. The enemy don't want you having an intimate relationship. So if he can stir the waters long enough to get your boat rocking and you get seasick, and then you decide to bail, that's all he wants. Oh, 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 thank you, Holy Spirit. No, that ain't what he wants. He wants you to stay on the boat like the other 11. Because see, uh uh-oh, because our growth in Christ didn't happen staying in the boat. It happened when he said, hey, if that's you, call me. And he said, come, go. And he went. And the other 11 went. He crazy. That's what y'all church people do to people that want to step out and actually be something and do something in the kingdom of God. Y'all, y'all, that's the way y'all do it. Whether you're Baptist, you're Presbyterian, you're Lutheran, you're Pentecostal, you're Catholic, you're Mormon. Come on, help me. We look at them. Man, where I come from, they ain't speaking tongues. That was of the devil. Okay, well, live right there if that's where you want to live. But don't hold somebody else back that wants to experience more in Christ. Charlie, I don't... Can I tell you this without offending you? I'm tired of just going to church. I want to go... And experience a corporate anointing. I want to go and experience a presence inside the corporate body that I can experience individually. You know why? Okay. See, I got to break that. All right. Y'all going to be here a while today. You know why I just said it that way? Because you're only going to experience God as far as your mind will allow you. There's somebody that's sitting beside you, in front of you, or behind you. Just so happens to have a crazier mind than you. And they think God will do it. Right? That, this is why I encourage you. Oh, will y'all do me a favor too? Pray for my granddaughter. All right, I'm back. It just hit me in the head. It's just the way I think. Charlie. Um, where was that? I got sidetracked. The love of a child. I just went all up in there. Yeah. Oh, baby. Can't kiss her, though. Help me. I, I went straight to the hospital or straight to the doctor, huh? Oh, yeah, and this is the reason why, because they're just crazy enough to think that. Whew. This is why it's so important not to forsake the gathering. It's not about fulfilling a religious duty and just checking off a block. It's not about just going to church. Anybody can just go to church. It's not about that. It's what you bring when you go there. Do, do you bring something to the table? It's like having a, a family cookout. 
Don't you, man, you ever come to mind and show up empty-handed? We're going to have a problem, especially when I see you double-dipping in the bratwurst. We're going to have a big issue. You better at least brought a bag of chips or something. Right? Y'all with me? And it's the same thing inside the church building. It's the same thing. Because now I get to experience, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I get to experience what you have. I get to experience what you anticipated, what your expectancy is. Because God's going to fulfill your expectancy. Because he says that I will make good for that which concerns you. I'll do it, basically. I will perfect it. I will bring it to pass. Or I'll bring it to pass. Did I say past? Thank goodness I'm not getting graded. I'm sure I am. There's people going like this. And <laughs> I don't care. But how much more of God could you experience in a corporate gathering than you could individually because you've held God captive in your little box? And somebody else just happened to say, God, I believe in a miracle. God, I believe that this can take place. I God, no, I don't just believe it. I expect it because your word says, and man, it happened, and it happened in a corporate gathering, and now somebody else's faith was stirred. That's the only reason that you're not to forsake the gathering of one another. It's so that you can uplift one. Quit coming to church just to check your block and hope to God that I've got something for you because I have nothing. with me God's love expounds beyond scripture he'll do above and beyond let me back up for the religious he's able to do above and beyond all that which you can ask think or imagine now why I say do? Because he said, I'll withhold nothing good from you. Full scripture this morning, I love him. I'll withhold nothing good from you. I love, I love you that much. See, if we love one another as much as we say we love one another, we won't withhold anything good. That's why she has immediate access to everything that I have. With caution. <laughs> Little disclaimer. Didn't want her to get overzealous. Y'all with me? You understand what I'm saying? That's the mo Actually, I just went through that too. That's the multifacetedness of God. Because it's, it's like a diamond. I don't have one. Wife, she wears them all. She says, here, take out one. Found it in Kroger parking lot. I'm joking. I would rather spend all the money on her and not on me. I'm good. I'm good. Happy wife, happy life. But it's like a diamond. If you take a diamond and you go out into the sunlight and you hold that, and you can hold it still, every person will see a different beauty 
in the diamond based on their perspective from where they look at it. You with me? That's God. See, I can look at him right here today, and I'm going to see one thing. Tomorrow morning, I need to see something else. So I'm not going to hold it this way. I'm going to hold it that way. See, it, if you want to see more of God's love in your life, you're going to have to have a different perspective. You're going to have, oh, you're going to have to change position, not him. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I wrote down because God expresses himself to us. <laughs> expresses himself. Oh, God expresses himself as love. Rocky, when you're writing fast, you just need to make sure you make that an A instead of a U. <laughs> Y'all ever done that? I do it when I'm in front of people. That's what just irritates me. I'll have a talk when I go in my office. <laughs> why he lets me do that but he expresses himself as love john first john 4 8 and first john 4 16 says that god is love see that that's the difference between his love for us and our love for him because we're not love we're just a product of love but god is love god can't do anything without loving you he can't discipline you outside of love because he is love. Yes. He, cannot, he cannot deal with you outside of love because he is love. He can't love you outside of love based on anything else because he is love. And if God is eternal, which he is, then God has always loved me and will never stop loving me because eternity doesn't stop. So the love that God has for me, I don't know about you. You got to decide this on your own. But the love that God has for me is multidimensional and multifaceted and never ending. Oh, he loved me. <laughs> he loved me from before a beginning. Because he has existed there was never a beginning and an end to God's love for you. Did you know? Come on, watch the scripture how they just fold in together. He didn't say when you accept me, I'm going to love you. He said, I'm going to love you. Man, the hope of God. I'm going to love you in the hopes that you'll receive the gift in which came to you out of my love. See, I'm trying to get you to understand something this morning. You can't go home and be any better today and him love you more. And for those that will, you can't go home today and be any worse and him not love you. When you leave today and you go home, he will love you the same as he did when you woke up. Right. 
I want you to stop doing and start being. Be in love with God. What does that look like? I don't know. What does it look like between you and God? Quit relying upon what it is that I do. Even though Paul says, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. I want you to forget about me for once. How about that? And I want you to look at you today. And I want you to figure out what it is. What does it look like, God, for me to love you the way that you loved me? Not the world, me. It may look like that you uproot and you become an evangelist and go to Africa. <laughs> Boy, he looked right up over top of his glasses. Uh -huh. And you know the first thing he done? What? He went. <laughs> you want to know why? <laughs> See how we will respond? And this was out of a fun gesture. I mean, this is just kind of a. It's going to be what God wants it to be. But this is just kind of a family thing that we, we joust about. But, but what if God said, this is how I want you to love me. And it's outside of your norm. Are you willing to love him? I almost tried to ease the pressure up on you, but I don't want to. I want to keep it on you. If he asks you to do something outside of your norm, can you still love him? Well, yeah, I'll let, no. No, 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 no. Love took a sacrifice. Love took an action. Love took a choice. That means whatever God wants, God gets. Why? Because you love him. Same thing with husband and wife. Whatever my husband and wife wants, well, whatever my wife wants, whatever your husband or your wife wants. Oh, that wrong church. I have a wife. Wives, you should have a husband. Anything outside of that is not loving God. God calls it something totally different. It's not that he doesn't love you. Because he does. You know, can y'all excuse me for a minute? He loved you the way that he loved me. And that was while I was still in my sin and you're still in yours. He still loves you. See, you, you have to stop. As Christian people looking down your nose. Because you started in the same place that any sinner has started. Amen. You were born into sin. Right. So as much as most of you want to think that you were born an angel and been saved all your life, you haven't. I'm just taking some pressure off. So it's okay every once in a while. His love is eternal. God gave out of love he didn't just give a part he gave all of it he was a sacrifice it was everything that he had it was all of him or nothing that's God's love for you and I that's why he chose 
to send his only begotten son. The word begotten there, is, it, it, it actually means unique. It was like, uh, it was like Adam and, um, not Adam, Abraham and Sarah. See, that was, a, that was a foreshadowing of God and Jesus. When, when Abraham took Isaac and he said, we, me and my son will go yonder and worship. He was talking about worship because in those times you could not worship without sacrifice. You had to give sacrifice and it always had to be the firstborn. And it always had to be one without blemish. And God chose Abraham because he had given him a son, a unique Son, his only begotten son. It was unique. And his son was to be the sacrifice. His son was a representation of who Jesus was. And Abraham was a representation of God. Giving his only begotten son, his unique son. That meant that Abraham was up in his hundreds and Sarah was up in her nineties. And they had a child. Whoa. (laughs) That's unique. You with me? And God, having given his only begotten son, unique, unique in birth. He was given in birth, in flesh, in the sinful flesh. Through woman, without man, but full of the Holy Spirit. That was unique. That was the begotten. So God give him that. Give that to to us. That was his love in in, in the purest form possible that God could ever love us he loved us and we are so quick to love God with a tainted type of love and how we walk with our heads lifted up I'll never understand I'm preaching to myself how in the world do we ever walk and say God we love you but yet in the interim of everything that's going on we find something to take the place and I'm not saying you got to come and pray 59 times a day in every 60 minutes. I'm just saying we need to give God his time. We need to give God our love, the love that he give us. We say sometimes that we love and we give gifts like flowers and clothes and trips and money. And, and, and all of this is nice. It's nice to express a portion of your love, but yet we will not sacrifice ourselves. Did you just hear that? I just Those of you that ride a Harley, you know what I was talking about. I heard it. Absolutely. And I just think it's like give, receive, versus give. We talk about love all the time. What is love? Because I feel like in God's discipline, He is love, but His discipline is is getting on human grace. That all these things. What's what's love? I got to go right back to the scripture. First John four eight. This is where I think that we, we fall apart as, as a church because we all want to do definitions and give things. He who does not know love does not know God. For God 
is love. You want a definition of God, understand, or you want a definition of love, understand God. Because God says he's love. So everything that God done, he done out of love. He done out of himself. So he, he is exposing and, and he is the one that actually gives these definitions to us of what is what. And he says that God is love. So if we want to really know what love is, we must know God. How do we do that? Through an intimate relationship with God. That's how we understand. Because if we was to love one another based on how God loved us, dude, there was a lot of things in life we would change. A lot of things in life we would fail at. Because we don't understand the definition of love. What is love? I mean, what, what is it? I mean, really, everybody has their own definition. And some of us don't even have a definition of what love is. Ooh, boy, watch this. We don't have a definition of what love is. We have a product of what love produces. See, I don't have to define love. And neither do you. The definition is right there. So if you want to know what love really looks like, you've got to have a personal relationship with God. Not with people. Not with your spouses and your families and your children and your dogs and, and your bikes. <laughs> We got to have a relationship with God. Because, man, see, we just, Joe, it's hard for us to wrap our head around this. That God just said, you know what? And we got to bring this down to the simplest form so everybody can understand. It would be like us as men seeing that woman. You know the one. Hopefully it's the one that you're married to. But we've seen that woman. And we're willing, before she says yes. See, some of us are driven by lust, but I'm trying to tell you love. We see that woman, we think we love, and we go and buy her everything, we give her everything, we're there at her beck and call. I mean, she could send a text and we could be fishing and hunting and you run and hike. I ain't doing none of that. But we could be in the midst of our activities. And man, we'll drop it like that. Just, oh, just in hopes that she'll say yes when we ask. Because see, my kids, they, they know too. I can be with my kids. But if mama calls and says, hey, I need you, bye. I'm going to get mama. Why? Because I love her. Do I love her more than my kids? No, but she was here first. <laughs> and she's going to be here after. <laughs> right? So, I, But here again, that's, that's, nothing, that's nothing but an expression. We just turned from a Sunday to a Wednesday. <laughs> nope. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and the understanding of all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith, 
so that I could remove mountains. But I have not love, I am nothing. I though, and though, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it, it, it profits me nothing. Love <laughs> suffers long. Okay, let's do this. Y'all okay with a little Wednesday night teaching? All right, good. Here's a Wednesday night teach. Love suffers long. What's that mean? I don't think there's any underlying <laughs> mysteries there. If you love someone, you love them long. And is kind. Have you ever thought of a time where you weren't kind? Love does not envy. Have you ever envied something? Does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Ooh. <laughs> Valentine's Day is provoked. We get the pressure. Well, we better do something. If we... <laughs> If we don't do something, buddy, we going I'm so glad I've got a, a woman that says I don't care about Valentine's Day. Because I forget it. But it's not provoked. So it, love isn't something that somebody has to do in order to get you to do something for them. It thinks no evil. Boy, that's hard. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. Man, I'm just sitting here thinking about the sermon that I preached on this old chapter. It bears all things. When they done right, when they done wrong. Believes all things. Boy, if that ain't something. So what, what happens if we're not believing that God can? We have not love because God's not in us. Because God is love and if God is love, he believes all things. Hopes all things. Boy, don't you know that God hoped more than what you'll ever hope in your life? He hoped. That you would take and receive his gift and become one of his sons. I'm going to die for you and I hope, I just hope that you receive it. You Miss Pat, you don't have to do nothing special. We, we don't have to make a certain type of cake. We don't have to shake a certain person's hand in the church. You don't have to say good morning to the pastor. You don't have to go and kiss everybody's kids. Please don't. And you don't have to go and sweep the floors. You don't have to clean the bathrooms. You don't have to do any of that. Whew. 
understand. He hopes all things. This is why it's so easy for me to, to look at people when they go, well, Rocky, what if hell isn't real? And I just look at them and go, I understand, because I could think the same thing. What if all of this stuff that we've heard for generations, because has anybody seen Jesus come back yet? I'm sure you probably heard it preached a million and twelve plus square root times fourth power, right? We, we've, we've heard it and heard it, but we've not yet seen it. I, do you really understand how easy it is to start doubting and go, hmm. He hoped that we would receive his gift. We should hope that this is true. Because I tell people all the time, you know what? If I lived a life based on this word and based on a relationship that I believe that I have with God, which isn't perfect, but if I base my life on this, on this lifestyle, that there is a God that's coming back, and he's going to gather me and take me to heaven with him. And then he's going to bring me back to earth and we're going to rule and reign forever and ever and ever. See, if I, if I live my life based on that and I die and none of that is true, what have I lost? Other than being a good person, treating people with morals and respect and honor and gratitude and thankfulness. What have I lost? Do y'all see anything bad there that I've lost? I don't think I've lost anything. But let me ask the question in reverse. What if this is real and you've lived the life the way that you have wanted to live it? You've lived it out of envy and strife and malice. And you've lived it out of desire and bigotry and You've lived it however you wanted to live it. You lived your life by God and you die. And uh-oh, everything that we're saying is true. What have you lost? You've lost eternity with God. Love hopes. Endures all things. Love never fails. <laughs> but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there are knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What is love? You want me to keep going? She told me to keep going. I told y'all we just turned this into a Wednesday. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. When I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. This is talking about maturing. This isn't talking about, he's just giving an example here. Paul was giving an example to the Corinth church. It wasn't that. It was meant strictly for men. He was just giving an example. So it goes for you ladies. I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. 
See, we, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing in part what love is right now. But it, it, then, now I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am known. Boy, don't, okay. I just, I just jumped on some religious things there. I will know. As I am known. That means we will know God. Boy, boy, wrap your head around that one. Ain't that what it said? I mean, I hope I'm not taking this out of context. But he says, but then I shall know just as I also am known. (laughs) And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Man, all we done, we, we perused over love is all we done this morning. Well, I, I think that I could probably preach on love until I die. And I probably still won't take the, ice, the cap off of the iceberg. God's love is phenomenal. And it's more than I think we'll ever understand until then. So to know love and to know what love is, we're going to have to meet him. But here's, here's the good part about it. I don't have to wait until I die to understand it because God gave me an opportunity to know him while I live here. So working on our relationship here, well, wouldn't it be something else? If you didn't work on this relationship here and we went to heaven and you didn't know even know who God was, you didn't even know who to go thank? I know that's far-fetched, but you, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Boy, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? You get to heaven and go, man, yeah, this is great. This is great. Anybody, anybody seen, anybody know who God is? He chose to die for you. You can leave out of here today and somebody can be mad at you. But God still loves you. You can walk out of here today feeling like a failure because man has put condemnation on your back on how to be saved. God still loves you. You can walk out of here today and tomorrow you can turn your back on him but God still loves you. David said, I can make my bed in hell. There you are. Right? Ain't that what he said? I can go anywhere. There you are. That's God's love. Because see, none of us want to be around people when we don't love them. We use this lame excuse, this lame phrase, and I'll close. But we use this lame phrase, I'll love them from a distance. No, you won't. You're just hating them. I'm done. God's love. (laughs) Charlie, I wish I could help it. I, I can't help it. God's love is just... 
right? It, it, it's the unimaginable. Incomprehensible? I just want you to love God back the way he loves you. Stop trying to put him in boxes because you heard a preacher say this and a, a preacher. Open yourself up to the love of God, please. And let him show you really how much he loves you when it's just you and him. He said to taste and see that I'm good. His love is never ending. And I probably will fight through this for the rest of the week. Still trying to figure out. See, you trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I can't figure out God's love. I just know that he chose to die for me. And man, if, if man, I just hit a southern gospel song. If that isn't love. Remember that? Sometimes I get thrown back in my roots. <laughs> I could, man, I just heard Billy and Steve and Mary Sue singing it. Y'all don't know them. I'll take you back to the roots one day. You don't have to live there. It's just like your mother said, here, at least try it. You don't have to eat it all, but at least try it. Yeah, it's not all bad. You got to figure out how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. 